This is a Chronicle podcast, bringing you ideas in the service of medicine. From the Chronicle podcast system, this is the NPC podcast of the National Pharmaceutical Congress for June 22, 2022. The NPC podcast was created in 2020 to discuss and consider the purpose, process and people of the pharma industry. Today, we'll continue the healthcare conversation by answering questions sent by listeners. Just like you. This program is presented in cooperation with Imprez, Canada's next generation commercial partner. The industry is rapidly evolving, and Imprez is designed to help you evolve with it. Learn more about Imprez tailored best-in-class solutions at www.imprez.com. Our guest today is Steve Savieig, Chief Executive Officer of Valio Pharma in Montreal. Steve will join your hosts, Jim and Mark. To start today's conversation, here's Mark McElwain. Welcome to the NPC podcast from the National Pharmaceutical Congress. I'm your co-host, Mark McElwain returning to our historic podcast, Gondola, which affords a clear view of all the action below us. And I'm joined in the gondola by James Shea, General Manager at the Council for Continuing Pharmaceutical Education in Montreal. Jim, welcome, but it looks like someone's missing here. Have you seen Mitch Shannon anywhere? He's normally the first to arrive. Well, it's got to be something important because he normally doesn't want to miss these. It must be that double star day at Starbucks, or maybe that $1 drink special at McDonald's, you know, or something else beyond his control. But actually, in fact, he's out on the recording day doing a charitable fundraiser. So good for him. So we're going to continue on. So really, for the purposes of this episode, we're going to be your podcast hosts known as Jim and Mark Saw Mitch. And because all the clever names are already taken, such as the Select Committee to Investigate the January 6th Attack on the U.S. Capitol, or the Poppy Family, and also probably because neither of us really sound like Terry or Susan Jacks, we're going to go with those ones. So, Mark, uh, we're honored to have Steve Saviak of Valio Pharma join us today. Steve, welcome. Jim, it's a pleasure to be here. I look forward to interacting with you and giving your podcast listeners a little bit of an insight into Valio. Well, that's great. We're excited to have you here. I know uh, growing up on the West Island, I've seen the little company on Hymas Boulevard do pretty well. So I'm uh, real interested on what's going to be going on here. So Steve, you're the CEO of uh, Valio Pharma, uh, not to mention the founder. Could you start by telling our listeners a little bit about the company and your vision for it? Yes. Well, I, I got to give credit where credit is due. I'm a co-founder. I joined in this endeavor by a couple of retired pharmaceutical executives uh, back in 2003. We built the company uh, over uh, 13 years, primarily in dermatology and a few specialty products for hospital use. And ultimately, uh, we're approached by what was known as Valiant at the time now, Bosch Health, that wanted to acquire our portfolio. And we consummated a, a transaction with them in 2015. So we sold the products, not we didn't sell the company. So the company remained, about a dozen staff remained. We uh, reorganized our shareholdings. We were a private company at the time and uh, looked at new therapeutic areas and have been growing ever since. And uh, I think the last 24 months have seen quite a significant change in value going from 
a handful of people, 15, 18 people to well over 100 people today. As far as our vision, uh, I mean, we want to be a leading player in the Canadian pharmaceutical market. And when I say a leading player, clearly we know our place. We're not going to become a Merck or a GSK, but we mean a leading mid-tier player that's going to have an impact on all our stakeholders. And when we talk about stakeholders, we talk about patients, physicians, we talk about our employees, we talk about our shareholders. If we can do that, I'll, I'll be happy and we'll have a, a very right place in the Canadian uh, pharma landscape. Well, very interesting. I guess the last few years, and I guess looking at my calendar, it's two and a half years roughly, or coming on four months, actually, two years, four months since COVID hit. So how has Valio fared during the past COVID pandemic? And how have you adapted to increasingly working from home and virtual work practices and the like? Well, I think what's interesting is although COVID, as you said, has been around now for about two and a half years, the most significant change I've seen in this company has occurred over the last two and a half years. And we've gone from a relatively small pharma company, as with, I mentioned, you know, 20-ish employees to a company with over 100 employees with some really world-class products. So a major amount of change that happened, you know, business was still open. We still had to supply our existing drugs, whether it be for Parkinson's, oncology, pain management to the marketplace. And I think all the pharma companies did a very good job during COVID and making sure that supply chain kept furnishing the Canadian market. And you're right. I mean, we've always had people in the office. Clearly, we have to have you know, the fellows in the back shipping the product out, our QC and uh, team uh, handling uh, day-to-day activities, order desk and what have you. A lot of people uh, were able to work from home. I was in pretty well, uh, say every day, I, uh, I just liked it to be here and I wanted to be here. And I think it's been a change, but over two and a half years, you adapt to that. And Teams, Zoom and all the other media that developed over that time, increasingly so, better technology has allowed us to it's not the same as being in person, but it's, it's close. But I have to say that with the vaccination of people in Canada and the high vaccination rates, I mean, there's a generally a return to work kind of mentality that people are taking on. And we have done that too, but we recognize that the, you know, the old ways will never maybe be the old ways again. So we have like a split work time or work week where people can work from home, but they also have to come in or want to come in to work in the office. Right. You're coming out of the tunnel uh, bigger and better. That's great to hear. Congratulations. I think there's a lot to be said for human interaction. And I mean, human interaction in the sense of, you know, flesh to flesh, like meeting people and being able to talk to them and see them and in various, you know, at the coffee machine, at the photocopier, just walking down the hallway together. And I think those are things that a lot of people have missed. And I think those are little conversations sometimes, which can actually be quite impactful. Steve, it's Mark. So further on the pandemic and maybe a bit more generally. So in your opinion, are there changes that the pandemic required that were for the better and that are likely here to stay? Well, I think, as I mentioned, remote working is one of those aspects that I think people recognize that you can get a lot of work done. And examples would be the person that had a, a one hour commute each way. The fact that they may work from home two days a week now or you know, they're saving virtually four or five hours of travel time. And I think you get people that are a lot more happier as a result of that. So you have to balance it in terms of, you know, what, you know, the, the uh, coming back to work and, and being away. But I think for many people, it's something that's going to continue for quite some time. I think the interaction with physicians, 
has clearly changed. I think there may be the younger physicians uh, like the uh, remote detailing uh, aspect. I think in general, and when I speak to colleagues, whether they be with Valio or with other pharma companies, I think there's a general sense that maybe the effectiveness of physician interaction isn't as good electronically as it is face-to-face. I think the physicians like to like that interaction, likewise, when they interact with their patients. So I think maybe that's that will continue the virtual or electronic detailing, but probably not to the extent it was under the height of the pandemic. And I think that's a, generally a good thing. Okay, so let's talk about some others at Valio. The chairman of your board is known to many of us, Richard Mackay, previously global co-chair at Stiefel Laboratories. Dick was an early inductee of our Canadian Healthcare Marketing Hall of Fame, and he was also the first to get the award of honor from the Canadian Dermatology Association in 2003. Plus, you've also got Frederick Fasano, another Hall of Fame inductee. So, Steve, how do you negotiate among the views and experiences of a strong roster like that? I can't say uh, enough positive things about uh, Dick Mackay. Uh, To those who know him, uh, he was really a pioneer in the Canadian healthcare landscape, certainly in the dermatology area, and has been a shareholder of Valio for many years, been a strong contributor in terms of his thoughts and views, been chairman for well over 10 years. And you're right, he is certainly grew the derm business or dermatology business in Canada. Uh, Fred Fasano has been in Canada for 10 years, was the uh, president of Servier in Canada during that period of time, and had a, uh, a very good track record with, along with not just great products, uh, but at the IMC, the Innovative Medicines Canada, where he, I believe he was uh, chairman of the board for, for several years. So they, you're right, they're two strong personalities that have a varied and, and strong background. But, you know, it's interesting in uh, developing any of our strategies, our tactics, our programs, I think when you're setting out to do these things and you're coming up with ideas, you want these ideas challenged. And I think both Dick and Fred have that different perspectives, very different perspectives to be able to challenge and maybe bring out the best in programs and weed out maybe some of the weaker ideas. So I look at strong personalities in a positive way, saying it just brings out the best in us and, and it forces us to be better. And I think these two gentlemen play a role in that. And I'm happy to have them uh, on our team. That's super. uh, Yeah, it's great to have good people around you. And maybe uh, talking a little tangentially to that, you mentioned that Valeo was uh, in dermatology originally. Now, are your two other sidekicks now looking at getting back into derma at, at some point? We loved our time in dermatology. I think the, the interest in dermatology and how dermatology is evolving, certainly the uh, area of aesthetics, which is taking an increasingly uh, stronger uh, position and uh, in, within dermatology. The physicians that we were dealing with, they're accessible, uh, you know, easy to get along with, and generally speaking, a good time uh, was had with many of them. They watch this podcast, they might recognize who they are. But it's very unlikely that we're going to get back into dermatology. I think dermatology today is dominated by several relatively large companies. And the other aspect of it is in our business development activities, we just don't see a lot of what we would think would be innovative products in dermatology. There are innovative products in dermatology, but they're being developed or at least brought to market by the bigger guys. So it's a question of deal flow in a bit for us where you have to see an innovative product that you think you could build a franchise around. And we just don't see that in there. So I think sometimes it's, you know, we've been there. We've, we had a great time. We sold that business to Valiant, which 
I would say over 90% of the products we sold to Valiant, and that's eight years ago, are still in the marketplace, still contributing to the Valiant portfolio, still available to Canadians that suffer from various skin conditions. So uh, that's a long answer to saying I, I like my time there, but I don't think we'll be back in that area. Right. Well, thanks for that answer. Now, it's interesting. Your sister used to be the controller at Valio. Uh, can you tell us a little bit more maybe about the family roots of the company? You know, it's, it wasn't a family business. It was a very interesting way the Valio started. We actually owned a pharma chem business. So in other words, we were distributing pharmaceutical chemicals or active pharmaceutical ingredients, as it might be known. My sister was a controller. It wasn't a family business. We had bought this business. I did with some of the co-founders of Valio, actually. Then we started this Valio business by happen chance where we had an opportunity to get certain products and we acquired those. And then we built and over probably the first five, six, seven years, it was still a sort of a sideline. And then it started to grow. And then it, we sold the chemical business and focused on Valio. So my sister was with us. She's a chartered accountant or a CPA uh, under today's, you know, it's nice to work with family. I mean, she really has my back. And, but more than that, other people that worked in the company, or we were relatively small time, I've all become you know, friends. I mean, I could think of a uh, assistant who watched my kids grow up and uh, would help out, you know, with dental appointments if I couldn't go or my wife couldn't go. And so we really had this family culture. Now flip, flash, you know, move forward to 2022. And while we're no longer a family, I mean, there's obviously there's a lot of new faces in the company, but we still want to have that culture of, you know, respect, inclusiveness, caring, so those early family roots are carrying over till today. Right. Sounds like a great culture over there with your family of 100 right now. <laughs> That's right. So we're chatting with Steve Saviuk, the co-founder of Montreal-based Valio Pharma here on the NPC podcast. So Steve, what are the main challenges when attracting senior talent to a startup company? Clearly what we want to have in talking even to larger pharma companies, we don't want to feel that our talent is inferior to their talent. We, you know, we're not playing in the American Hockey League versus the NHL. Size-wise, yes, but certainly not the players. We want to have players that are on a par and that could easily work with some of these big companies. So clearly, we're in Montreal, which is a, one of the major centers in Canada for, for the farm industry. So there's a lot of pharma people around. But you're right, getting them to a startup company is, is a challenge. So what I think talent looks for and what is vision. Do we have, what is our vision? Where are we taking this company? Our commitment, our commitment to physicians, our commitment to support them with programs and what have you so that you can actually have, when we attack a market and we, we have products that we actually approach it in a way big pharma would, maybe not with quite all the, the resources and what have you, but still in a very professional way that we have staying power that when they come to us, that we're going to be around in a year's time and that they can actually build a career with us. And that our culture is something that is probably something that brings them in this culture of very much of empowerment, the ability to grow, the ability to participate. We are a public company. We do have various programs which help our employees with share ownership, things of this nature. So I think these are attract a certain type of person uh, at a certain point in their career. And I think that's what we seek to bring in. And I think it's a real mix. Uh, you know, I often sit with someone and say, you know, if you're going to be working at head office, there's times you'll turn on the lights in the morning. There's times you'll be, you know, helping out to maybe in the back, in the warehouse, even uh, with some maybe issue that's come up or just a shipment that came in and we got to put a few hands on deck. So we're really 
you're going to do a lot of different things at Valio, but we're a fast growing company. As some people have said, we're one of the faster growing pharma companies in Canada. And I think that there's a lot of feeling of accomplishment when you work for a company. So we, we seek out people that are, are looking for that, are looking for a challenge, getting away from the big pharma, maybe the big pharma processes and machine to a more, I guess, more entrepreneurial dynamic company. And, and uh, there's a lot of people out there that that resonates with a lot. Right. No, it sounds like you have a major league team that you talked about major and minor NHL, but uh, yeah, that's what you need to have a growing and thriving organization for sure. That's super. So actually the next question kind of goes a little bit further along with that. So given your current uh, culture and everything, let's look external to that. So in your opinion, uh, what's the current environment in Quebec for the pharma industry in terms of you know, you talked about finding talent. Well, okay. But now what about government relations or market access to capital or, you know, anything else, some of these other variables that are important within the environment? I think that there is a strong talent pool in Quebec. We are across Canada, but our head office is in Quebec. So we have employees from coast to coast, including some head office positions in Toronto that work from home. So uh, talent is, is important, but government relations, we have a good relationship with very, you know, one of our large stakeholders is Investissement Quebec, which is an arm of the Quebec government. And they've been very supportive of us and, and will, and I think, continue to be supportive of us. I would say one thing that I think all pharma companies want is a quicker access to reimbursement on a provincial level. I see that happening. We've got Redesca, our low molecular weight heparin, and it was rapidly uh, reimbursed. And our two asthma therapies have been rapidly reimbursed also. So I think that bodes for you know, when you have strong products or products that can save money uh, for the government, we seem to have some good relations there. And access to capital, as I mentioned, the Quebec government is uh, through Investment Quebec is a stakeholder. We have a lot of shareholders in Quebec. We expect that's going to expand. But access to capital really has to be a pan-Canadian and really a pan-North American. And you have to go talk to investors all over. And But Quebec has done its share. And, you know, it's nice to be supported in your backyard before you start going into someone else's backyard. And we have that support. Well, we're certainly looking for some homegrown pharma companies to become international. That would be great. So uh, you had mentioned the idea of partnering and you had mentioned your asthma medications. So you partnered with Novartis to develop the... Um, Enerzair breeze hailer and the Atectura breeze hailer. How are these products actually differentiated in a pretty crowded marketplace right now? Well, as you know, asthma in Canada is a large market. There's almost 4 million Canadians that suffer from asthma to various degrees. And in the summer of 2020, Novartis received the approval by Health Canada for Enerzair breeze hailer and Atectura breeze hailer. We were in discussions with them at that time. We ultimately signed a licensing agreement with them, I think it was March 26th of, of 21, and subsequently put in place a whole respiratory business unit, which was commercial marketing, medical support to, uh, to support the launch of these products, which were launched during the last summer. We think very highly of these products. Enerzair is the first triple combination asthma therapy, fixed triple combination asthma therapy to be launched in Canada, which is a, a definitely a step forward in the treatment of moderate to severe asthma. Uh, and Atectura is maybe a bit more traditional dual therapy, but uh, has clinical data results which clearly support a strong efficacy. So it, we think that both products, one from the point of view of if you're in a mild to moderate and you're on a dual therapy, 
you've got a, another treatment option in Atectura, which has shown clinically very strong results. And Enrosera, you've got that, the basically what I believe is an innovative fixed triple leader for people who have moderate to severe asthma who are not controlling. As we know, about 50% of asthma sufferers don't feel their symptoms are under control. So there is a need for new therapies that are differentiated, and we believe our two are uh, differentiated. Well, congrats on that. That sounds great. So, Steve, let's change gears a bit. You've got a business degree. So how has that educational background contributed to your career in pharma? I actually graduated in, not in science, but in commerce, the accounting degree, and I became a chartered accountant, or what's today known as a CPA. So a strong affinity for numbers, I suppose. But uh, what caused me to leave the accounting profession back in the day was my interest in just business and science. And I think everyone has an interest in science, especially as it affects them, whether it be just knowing about in dermatology, skin conditions, or other various disease states. So it was more a curiosity, I think, that, uh, that brought me into to the pharma and obviously some fortuity and some luck in some ways. So I think the, the accounting background helps because clearly day-to-day it's, we are selling drugs that have therapeutic value, but ultimately it boils down to dollars and cents and making a profit and being able to pay our payroll and our suppliers and what have you. And I think also the, just the overall degree is, you know, I would, which I think every, you know, if anyone says, should I go to university or not? I, I talk, I think about, well, it puts you under pressure, it, you know, time management, the ability to learn. So I think all of these things have helped over time. Plus, you know, the innumerable amount of people I met in between that, that probably took those, you know, very rough attributes, if you will, and then sort of polished them. But I'm glad I'm not an accountant. To those who listen and are, I'm, I respect you. It was where I started, but it's just to show you that how your career can take a 180 degree turn and you're, you know, running a, a life science company and, and basically your degree is, your degree is in finance. It's uh, you know, I, most people think you should be working in a bank or something, but no, and I love it. I, I, one thing when we did sell our assets in 2014, 15, there was a lot of thought about, should we just, you know, fold the tent and move on to something else? And I, I liked, and I, I loved so much the interactions I had with our team and with the medical community. It didn't take long to say, no, we are going to continue as Valio. We're just going to continue in, in new therapeutic areas and uh, we're going to build something even bigger and more impactful than we had done so before. Yeah, that's a great answer on the education stuff. I'm always telling people, it doesn't matter what your degree is in. Your degree is in time management, decision-making, dealing with people, group dynamics, the whole thing. It doesn't matter whether you're in philosophy or nuclear physics. It doesn't really matter. <laughs> Bring it all to the table, man. Well, that's good. So, Steve, you were talking about time and pressure, and as we wind down the podcast here, we're going to invite you to play our word association game. So just go ahead and say the first thing that comes to mind in response to each of the following phrases or words. So are you ready? Yeah. Life sciences. Vitality. Government relations. Complex. Stock market. Volatility. Toronto Stock Exchange. Major leaks. Renewable energy. Critical. Sustainability. Infinite. Infinity, maybe, is a better word. You know, we all believe in these things, right? More so than now than ever. Yeah. I'm going to throw in an extra question before I go on. In your word association, Montreal Canadiens. 
future. <laughs> <laughs> future. No, well done. You get a million and one point. That last one was worth the one. As in not the present. Okay. <laughs> We're going to, you know, turn it around. I think we've got the, the right attitude and I think the nucleus of the right team, but we're hopeful, right? We've been hopeful since 93. It's a long road. There you go. So now we're uh, moving on to where you've got to put on your soothsayer's hat and slather on some uh, sunscreen because we're going to go sit in a sunny prognostication corner. Maybe put on a Habs cap or something like that. So uh, what bold predictions are you going to be able to make about the life sciences industry going forward in the next 12, 24, or, or even longer term? I think, you know, a few things. Uh, I think Canada will make important research contributions to the health sciences or healthcare industry worldwide. I think we're, 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 there's some really smart people here, good institutions. I think the government needs to fund them a little bit better than they have been traditionally like in the past. I think that's, you know, we've seen this brain drain. I've witnessed it directly. And, and obviously competing in the people in the U.S. or the, the institutions in the U.S. is hard. But I do think we, we have and we will continue to do so. You know, innovation overall and on a more global basis, innovation will continue to improve and save lives. New drugs will come onto the marketplace. You know, we've seen how quickly vaccines were developed for COVID, which has really turned uh, the pandemic around, even though people still are being afflicted and there are still deaths. But I think people are getting back to, and that's just innovation. And I think the pharma industry, you know, I don't think people, when they talk about high drug prices, they don't quite understand Yes, companies are there to make money and they have shareholders they have to pay, which ultimately they're probably having Merck in their company pension plan portfolio. So they do benefit from this, but ultimately it's the amount of money that gets poured back into research for, to find new drugs. And I think that the future is going to be quite exciting there. And in particular, you know, Valio, I, I love Valio and it's been, it's like in my blood uh, for the last 20 years. And I, I certainly hope to be around it for, for many more years to come. But I think Valio become an important piece of the Canadian healthcare landscape. And, you know, our vision is to bring pharmaceutical products to Canadians from our, the best of pharmaceutical products to Canadians from around the world. And I think uh, we have an important role to play there. We, I think we make a difference. And I think that's uh, something you're going to see more and more in the next 20, 12 to, you'll hear more about us in a way of really bringing these treatments and supporting Canadian physicians and, and doing things, uh, you know, right now we have a large primary care sales force when a lot of people are leaving primary care. Well, we're there. We're going to be there and uh, we're going to be there to support you know, primary care physicians with the drugs that we bring to market. That's a super outlook. I'm really positive as a Canadian to hear that. Uh, I hope it all works out for uh, you and us. Great. I hope so, too. We have a lot of Canadian shareholders and I hear from them regularly. Everyone thinks in their own way. Some people think it's just about, uh, I want my portfolio to go up. Other people think all the way to the other end of the spectrum of, you know, you're, you're creating employment, you're helping Canadians with certain diseases. And, you know, with, with some of our, you know, asthma, everyone knows someone with asthma and you know, everyone knows someone with asthma that's not happy with their current status. So these are, are not esoteric or drugs where, you know, you don't know who the end user is. The, the end user is your neighbor, is your, is your part of your family, is a friend. And ultimately, you know, when you see that they're doing better, it's a pretty cool thing to be involved with. You know, when someone says to you, your value is, is that, that's a company that does this drug, right? Or sells this drug. And well, great. Because, you know, it's, it's helped us out. So uh, 
you know, our Parkinson's drug is a good example of that. It's a small drug. Parkinson's is not a huge indication, but if the people that are on it feel a little bit better, that makes me feel a bit better. Steve, thanks for dropping by and filling us in on the progress you've made at Valio Pharma. Thanks for having me. And please circle your calendar for November the 2nd, when the life sciences industry will convene again at the 16th Annual National Pharmaceutical Congress. We look forward to seeing everybody in person at the Mississauga Convention Center. And thanks to you, our listeners, for spending your time with us. We'll speak again next week. Do you have any questions for Steve or comments for us about today's conversation? If you do, just send an email to health at chronicle.org. Why not attach your question as a voice clip? You might just hear yourself in an upcoming episode. We hope you enjoyed today's NPC podcast. If you did, please like it, rate it, recommend it, and share it with your colleagues. You can find us at Apple iTunes, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. The NPC Podcast is presented in cooperation with Imprez, Canada's next-generation commercial partner. Do check them out at www.imprez.com. I am your announcer, Leona Void. The podcast producer is Jeremy Visser. Research for this program came from Kylie Rebenick and John Evans. The musical theme is performed with tremendous verve and gusto by the NPC Podcast Orchestra, under the direction of Maestro Avery Milbrook. We'll speak again next week.